sit down this week with an old friend and had breakfast with him. First time I'd really spent any time with him in a couple of years, really, between time and space and distance and COVID and family and jobs and, you know, all the stuff that gets in the way of life happening each and every day. And it was just good to sit down with him and talk with him. And I, I call him a brother in so many ways. We, we, we share some of the same bad habits and characteristics and have the same poor taste in movies and and music and, and, and the same heart, though, for our families and for, for God and for uh, what God put us on this earth for and just to sit down with him and to talk with him, to break bread and to fellowship and to laugh and even shed a couple of tears was just good. It was just healthy and it was just refreshing in a way, even though it was just a touch heavy, too, because we hadn't seen each other forever, but we picked right back up where we were and we kind of downloaded all the things that have been going on in our world for the last couple of years but it reminded me of why we were friends and why we've always been friends and why we continue to be friends and why in the middle of the night the phone could ring and I would drop everything for that friend. It's because we have the same mission in life, and that's to, to know God and to serve him forever, to, to love him and to teach those uh, around us to know him and to love him, for our families to come to know this Christ that saved us. We have the same mission, he and I. And that's actually what brings our friendship together and what has brought us to continue to be friends for all these years. And, and, and even in the midst of a little bit of a lament, like, man, why haven't we done this sooner? Why haven't we talked to each other in a while? There was also this, this renewed and this refreshed joy to say, man, this is my brother. This is the one that, that I love dearly and that loves me. And there are no circumstances by which any of that's ever going to change. Do you know why that's possible? The answer is always Jesus, okay? Has anybody ever asked that? But, but the reason why that's, why that's possible is because we're both on the same mission. We're committed to that mission together, and we love and we care for one another. And sometimes those relationships have to be renewed. They have to be brought back in. They have to be restored. They have to be reignited, re-energized. Sometimes it's a matter of just saying, man, I don't know what happened, but, but I'm sorry. Uh, we need to just, can we just pick up where we were? And a good friend says, yeah, that's okay. We can do that. We've been studying the book of Mark the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue to study this morning. So I want to go ahead and invite you to open your Bible this morning to Mark chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35. And as I've said over and over and over again, Mark records what Jesus did, not so much what Jesus said. And I think that's really, really great because we need to see what Jesus did so that we can imitate that, so we can emulate that in so many ways so that we can try to be as Christ-like as possible in both word and deed and the actions that, that we take each and every day. And so we get ourselves to a place here in Mark chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35 this morning. And I want to tell you this morning that the, that the primary focus of these few verses are about prayer. And, and prayer is going to be an interesting topic for us to cover. It's a topic that's throughout the scripture. It's something that we all probably would agree I need to do more of or I don't do enough of. And some people would even say I don't know how to do that. I'm going to address some of those things this morning. But Jesus had such a high priority for prayer that it's worth us studying and trying to understand not only why he had such a high priority for prayer, but why we should have such a high priority for prayer. But in this particular instance, as Jesus has left the synagogue where he cast out the, 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 the demon from the man who was in the synagogue last week, and then he went and he started healing people in Capernaum, starting with, with uh, Peter's mother-in-law, uh, and then people started bringing people to his doorway, what we see very quickly here is that prayer keeps us on mission. 
And it's important for us to understand that, that it's a refocusing, it's a reiteration, it's a re-understanding, it's, a, it's an acquisition of new information that, that, that previously existed, we just didn't have. We're not creating new information, but prayer keeps us on mission. And the reason why I can say that with such confidence this morning is because Jesus exemplified that over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you were to look at all the times by which Jesus was praying, you would find they were often just before something big happened. And he was praying and they came and arrested him and he was praying and they came and they bothered him and he was praying and they came and did this. And so he understood the necessity of prayer and how it kept him on mission. We're going to see that in these these four or five verses here, starting in verse 35 in Mark chapter 1. So let's read that together. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Father, as we look at this passage this morning, we pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and minds and put our feet and our hands to action, that we would understand that to do as you did is always the right decision. And so, Lord, let us help, uh, help us, Lord, not just to understand the how, but to really embrace the why, so that it does impact our true beliefs and our actions that follow those beliefs. Teach us this morning, God, how to be more like Jesus and why it was important and why it is continuing to be important for us to do that. And here's how we learn to do it. Amen. In in these few passages, these few short verses, I'm going to show you that that prayer does a couple of different things. And we're going to see that in this passage. And so there's just a simple slide there that kind of goes through some of these points that I'm going to have. You're welcome to take a picture or to write them down or do whatever. But, But what we see Jesus doing here is really, really smart. Now, I told you, he just, he's been up all night before. People were coming to his doorstep, and he's healing them, and he's casting out demons. And yet, he still found the desire to get up early in the morning and go out and pray. And it, what's so interesting is, is that they were probably all staying in the same house. And so Jesus somehow gets up and walks out, doesn't wake up anybody. Everybody's still asleep. He's out talking to the Father, and they get up in the morning and go, hey, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Now, what likely happened was there were people knocking on the door saying, hey, we heard this dude was healing people. Can he come heal us too? We can't find him. And so Peter and the boys, they go looking for Jesus. And when they finally find him, they, they, they Peter's a knucklehead. He, he Man, people are looking for you, Jesus. Where have you been? Don't you know you're in demand? Don't you know that people want you? Don't you know that you can't just disappear? I mean, give the people what they want, right? <laughs> Jesus just kind of looks at him and goes, dude, I've been praying. And, and the reason why I came out here to pray was because I'm going to the next town to tell other people about the good news of the gospel that saves their very souls. After all, that's what I came here to do. And so in his prayer time, what Jesus saw was the the reiteration of a mission that God sent him here to do for us, Emmanuel, God with us, to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is near, that the kingdom of God is right in front of you, as we saw earlier in Mark chapter 1. And so when he's out doing this, he's just refocusing on the mission and saying, I'm sticking to the mission. I didn't come out here to do all the things that the people wanted. I didn't come out here to satisfy the carnal desires. But I came out here to do my father's work. And and Peter, I need you to pay attention to this. I need the rest of you fellas to pay attention to this. Because if you'd have known that I was going to do my father's work, you probably would have found me pretty quickly because you would have known where to find me. 
but instead everybody's looking for you like I let them down or something, right? Like I disappoint, I failed to meet their expectations, so I must be in the wrong here. Do you see a little gaslighting here? It's really kind of comical to me as I look to this passage of Scripture because Jesus is saying, I didn't ask for my plan to be approved before I executed it. In fact, the plan was given to me by the Father, and I said yes. And in order for me to stay to that plan, I knew I needed to go speak with him. I needed to spend some time in prayer. And so the first thing that prayer really does is that it prioritizes our relationships. Early in the morning, it says that Jesus got up and he went to spend time with the Father. Now, I know there's a lot of books, there's a lot of sermons, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of things that talk about prayer and when you should do it and how you should do it and, and what time in the morning and all these other things. But listen, all those are hows and whats, and they're important. But the why of it really, really, really motivates all of those hows and whats. And the why of it was is that Jesus says, I'm going to prioritize my relationship with the Father by spending time with him. I'm going to spend that intentional time with him. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to be encouraged by him. I'm going to speak with him. I'm going to ask him questions. Now, Jesus being fully God and fully man, he did have knowledge of those things, but he also, he hungered, he thirsted, he hurt, he was tired. And he says, listen, I was up late the night before doing your work. Isn't that enough? No, he didn't do that. He says, listen, I was up late the night before doing what I came here to do, but today's a new day, and I need to stay on mission. And the, the way I know to stay on that mission is I'm going to go spend time with God. And so he went and spent time with God. Now, I don't know about you, but perhaps maybe your routine is to get up in the morning, to wipe the sleep out of your eyes, to take a shower and brush your teeth, have a cup of coffee, or maybe the other way around. Some of you are probably pre-coffee brush or brush pre I don't know how that happens for you. But at what point do you get to a place to where you start praying, right? When does prayer become a priority to say, listen, the most important thing I can do today, even though that i got to get my kids fed, i got to get them to school, i got a meeting at work, i got a, a doctor's appointment, I gotta do, the most important thing I can do is renew, restore, refresh my relationship with my Creator. I need that. Now, I, I'm, listen, I'm going to give you carte blanche to be selfish for just a minute. I know that's hard for some of you. To think about you and you alone. Will you say it out loud? I need time with God. Will you say that out loud? I need time with God. Now you can say that all day long. We can, we can get into a rhythm and we can, we can put some beats behind. I need time with God. You know, whatever you want to do. If you don't mean that, you won't do that. You understand what I'm saying? We can put a, a, a fancy little program together and all this stuff. We can give you a podcast and give you some little thoughts. Listen, Jesus understood I need time with God. I need time with the Father. I need to hear from Him. Now, many times when we pray, we kind of go through the, the, the Acts model. Some of you are probably familiar with this. The, 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 the uh, adoration, uh, uh, the confession, the thanksgiving, and the supplication. By the way, Jesus didn't do that. He did the Acts model because he didn't need to confess anything. So he was at his father's feet, right? He didn't need to confess anything. He just said, I want to be like you. I want to be near you. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 tells us this, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? It's a reiteration of a couple of different texts in here. Because what it says is, is that when you prioritize the mission, you prioritize your relationship with the Father, the best part about having that good relationship with Him is that you can keep on asking, you can keep on knocking, and you can keep on receiving. That it is a constant thing. It's not a one-off thing. Well, you know what? Today, I got everything figured out. No need for me to pray, no need for me to ask, no need for me to do anything. But tomorrow, when life all falls apart, because, you know, that's what Mondays look like, right? Then maybe I ought to start picking up this prayer thing again. No, it says that if our relationship is good, I can keep asking. I can keep knocking. I can keep asking. I can keep knocking. I can do this over and over and over again. And listen. Is the Lord frustrated with our prayers sometimes? I, th- I think maybe perhaps he, he could be. It's his prerogative. But you know what he hates more than anything? Silence. The fact that we're not talking to him. I, I've counseled many people, I'm just mad at God. I just hate God. I'm just angry with God. I can't understand why God would do this. You know what? Keep that. Because I would rather you be frustrated and questioning God and challenging him than not talking to him at all. Because at least the communication is open. And maybe in the midst of that, what you may hear are two things. One, your own craziness. And two, you may hear, hear him respond going, listen, I understand that you're upset and you're frustrated. I don't change, by the way. And so as angry or as mad or as frustrated as you may be, I'm still the same. And you can count on that. But the way you're going to know that is by spending time with me and making sure this relationship is maintained. So you can keep asking. God wants to commune with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to hear what's going on in our lives. But he also wants the opportunity to tell you what's going on. That's why some of the most powerful prayers we can pray are from the Scripture. Because when we know his word and we have a conversation with him about it, even the times when we might even be a little bit confused about it. Lord, I don't understand this. Well, come on, spend some time with me. Let's talk about this together. Let's reason this out in a way that will help you to understand Far too often, though, I think that we, we kind of stop. Okay, I asked God, and he didn't give it to me, and so I'm going to stop praying, or he's not real. You know, I see this sometimes in a relationship where people will come, and they'll ask me to pray for them. And, and I used to be a little bit better about this, where I would just say, well, tell me how you're already praying. And then what I learned pretty quickly was that actually kind of shamed them a little bit. And I really wasn't trying to do that, but I'm kind of trying to do that. Because what I'm saying is, let me see if I get this straight. You're not talking to God, and you somehow think that I can talk to him on your behalf. Now, that's not untrue, because we ought to be praying for one another on a regular basis. But look, if you're not going to talk to him at all, what makes you think he's going to listen to me on your account? Because my guess, just speculating here, you've not told me everything, and yet you want me to stand as your advocate. Okay, God, I know that this person did this and this, this, this. Would you mind doing da-da-da-da? And then you find out a little bit later on, hey, nah, <laughs> things were much worse, right? So you want me to stand before God and kind of lie, little white lies for you. And so we don't pray at all or we ask somebody else to do that. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest privileges we have is prayer. And the privilege of p- prayer is not just found in the power of that. It's found in the relationship. To be able to say that our God is not so far off that we can't come to him with everything. And I mean everything, even and especially the things that we somehow deem or listen to the enemy tell us are silly and foolish and stupid. Bring him to him anyway. Bring him to him anyway. He's good with all that. What Jesus understood was, I need to spend some time with the Father. I need to stay focused on the mission. I need to prioritize this relationship. 
for one, it's because it's the most important relationship I have. And for two, others need to see this relationship so that they too will go, man, Jesus, how do you do this, right? Like you get pulled out into the wilderness for 40 days, no food, no water, you get tempted with all these other things. How do you do this? And I spent time with the Father, our relationship was good. He got my back, and I know that he did. The second thing that we see here is that prayer identifies our distractions. Now, this I find particularly interesting. Do you have time built into your schedule for interruptions and distractions? Because if you did, they wouldn't be interruptions or distractions, would they? Right? But it, it never fails. Like, I, one of the things I don't do on Mondays is check email before noon. And, and the reason I don't check email before noon is because I know whatever's in that inbox, somebody has figured out if I can get in front of his calendar for the rest of the week, then I can dictate what he does and when he does it for my benefit. Now, I'm not saying these things are bad. I just know how that works. I just know that Monday morning, everybody's trying to get on your calendar so that they can set their week and figure out when things are happening. And so I don't touch it. You, you Emergencies only, you get a meeting with me on Monday morning. It's very rare I'll violate that, and there's a lot of reasons behind that, okay? But what Jesus understood, and this is what I understand too, is that doesn't mean just because I said this is the boundaries, this is what we're going to do, that people respect those. Did you catch that? Just because I've set these boundaries doesn't mean people are going to respect those. In fact, what Peter and the fellas didn't figure out was that Jesus says, the most important thing I'm going to do today is spend time with the Father. And so in the middle of prayer, isn't that always the way? When things get quiet and we finally calm down, we, we start talking with God a little bit, something comes up. The microwave dings, the coffee pot goes off, the kids wake up, the dog needs out, whatever the case may be, right? Your phone blows up with some Fox News alert or whatever the case may be that you should have turned off. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a distraction every time you go to pray. Anybody want to know why that is? Because the enemy hates that, right? But secondly, you didn't prioritize the time to figure that out, to turn those things off and say, look, I'm going to spend time with God today. And so those distractions, they actually become habitual. They don't just become distractions. You just kind of expect them to be there. You know, a couple of years ago, I was at a funeral and somebody's phone goes off. Can you imagine that? You're at a funeral and somebody's phone goes off? I mean, here you are talking to someone about, about a person's life, and if they're a believer, perhaps talking to them, uh, to people out there about who this Jesus is, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and the pastor was so, he was so good in the middle of that. He goes, there it is right there, folks. That's Jesus talking. That's the only interruption you ought to be able to take, right? Listen, he was out, and he was praying, and he understood that. First Peter 4, 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. You get yourself praying, you get yourself in a habit that there's nothing wrong with that, and say, this is the time I'm going to spend time with the Father, I'm going to rebuild my relationship every day, I'm going to renew this with Him. Don't be surprised when those distractions come. But, but what happens is, is those, you buy into the distractions in such a way that you get off mission, you get off course, and those distractions become the norm instead of the prayer becomes the norm. And likewise, if you get yourself to say, listen, my prayer life is this, and this is when I do this, and this is when I set time aside for everything, and I prioritize these things, those distractions are still going to come. And there's going to be days you're going to have to figure out, okay, I'm going to give into that. I need to go take care of that. That is on the scale of emergency. I'm going to go take care of that. But when it's all the time, you're in the tyranny of the urgent, right? And if you don't have that practice of praying, then you don't get distracted. Versus if I don't pray, then I can't get distracted. Does that make sense? 
Jesus said, listen, I spent time with the Father out there, and you guys are coming to distract me. And it's kind of funny because you should have known better. You should have known what I was doing. You should have known where to find me, actually, Pete, because I was praying. I was spending time with the Father. Secondly, what we see here is that prayer clarifies our mission. Jesus said very clearly in that one sentence that, let's go into the next town so I can preach the gospel. After all, that's what I came up here to do. The people were coming to him saying, would you heal us from this? Would you fix this? Would you do all these temporary things? And it's not that that Jesus says, no, I don't want to be wasting that stuff too. What he realized very quickly was there are a lot of people who have a lot of needs, and they're going to always have a lot of needs. And I don't want to trivialize any of those needs, but listen, what they really need is for their souls to be saved. And they're not going to have their souls saved if all I'm doing is taking care of all these periphery issues. Because particularly in the day, and even now, what we have are all these things. Listen, people get sick. People people die. People are injured. People lose jobs. Things happen every single day that are well outside of our control, but are certainly under the understanding of a fallen, sinful world. That's why these things happen. And we're probably never going to escape those things because guess what? Christians suffer too, and really I would say they, they should suffer more. They should find joy in that suffering if they're suffering for Christ versus just suffering because they make bad decisions. But in the midst of this, our mission has to be clarified, and we clarify the mission by going back and saying, you know what, I don't understand this. God, I'm really having a hard time with this, or I'm challenged by this, or I don't know the next step to take. And in that prayer, what we get back to is we hear the Father saying, listen, this is what I called you to do. Go forth into all nations and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And that's my journey in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Ready? Boom. That's it. That's the mission. God, you know, I I found that this this mission you've called me, it's just a little hard. You got anything easier? I know. I'll go fill my life up with doing a lot of nice things. A lot of good things, but I won't tell people the gospel because, you know, it's kind of hostile. That's not the mission. That's not it at all. And so when we pray, you get a chance to stop. You get a chance to think. You get a chance to put distractions in their proper place. And we get the mission clarified for us because mission drifts. And if, if we allow it to drift and we don't come back to it, we get to some challenges. John 5, 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Gee, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. I really don't know what this Christian life is supposed to be like. The son doesn't know unless the father tells him. So spend time with the father, renew and strengthen that relationship. Get that mission clarified and say, you know what, I'm just going to do what my father tells me to do. I'm going to do what my father has shown me to do. There's nothing funnier than even watching those videos where the dad's out mowing the yard and the little, the little guy's got the little bubble lawnmower behind him. He has no clue how much he's going to hate that when he's 13. He has no clue, right? All he wants to do is what his dad's doing. All he wants to do is what his dad's showing him how to do. Dads, particularly with, with, with boys, that's kind of our connection point sometimes. It's tough some days when your kid gets to a place to where they ought to know how to do something and you should have been the one to teach them and they either don't know how to do it or they didn't pay attention to it and now they've screwed it all up and what became a, a really difficult fix could have been easy if they'd have just listened to you. I mean, come on, the older I get, the more my dad was right. If I'd have just spent more time with him, if, if I wouldn't let the distractions, you know that, that, that song, Cats in the Cradle, y'all heard that song? It's a heartbreaker. You got three generations here, son. I don't have time right now. I don't have time right now. I don't have time right now. 
It's not to say that we're not going to have regrets. I'm not going to say that things are going to go the perfect way. But I'm telling you this, prayer clarifies our mission. Let's stop. Let's pay attention to what God has already said. Let's don't ask him for stuff outside of. Let's don't ask for more if we're not going to take care of what he's already given us. Let's stay on mission and do what he's asked us to do. And let's believe why that's important is because that gives us purpose. That helps us understand that we're not just saved from something, we're saved to something. And that's to tell others about who this Jesus is and what he's come to do for them. Not just to fix their bodies or make their bank accounts a little fatter. No, he's come to save their souls. And so if they're just looking for all those peripheral things, then we're not on mission and we need to be on mission. We've got to bring it back in. Prayer also empowers our actions. You know, it's, it's interesting that we all kind of get in this place sometimes, and it's particularly because we didn't set the time aside to pray, and we haven't had the prayer so that we're not frustrated by the distraction uh, to our prayer. We're just frustrated by the distraction. But, you know, it's, it's funny. We get to this place that, that in case of emergency, pray, right? And I want you to think about that for just a minute. You're in this plane, you're riding along, everything's just fine. They give you that little speech at the very beginning. They tell you, you know, all this sort of stuff and take care of the kids first and all that other. Why do you need to tell me to take care of, of myself first before I put the mask on the kid? Of course I'm going to do that. I'm selfish. Of course I am, right? I mean, think about how backwards that kind of is, too. You have to tell somebody to put your own mask on first. Man, you don't have to tell people that. Look at, look at humanity. Look at who we are. starts to rumble a little bit and maybe we start to drop a little bit of altitude and there's a lot of people believing in God all of a sudden right maybe because you're closer to it right when the World Trade Center falls to the ground because planes crash into it when we worry about a, a nuclear Russia or whatever the case may be or when a hurricane starts coming our way when the stock market crashes and falls apart when a school shooting happens in case of emergency we pray let me tell you something folks there's nothing wrong with that but there's everything wrong with that because it ought to be the first thing we do because we're accustomed to doing it every day. We just say a little something different this morning because something bad happened. We just have that habit in us. But unfortunately, we get to that place where our, our, our emergencies are the, the reasons why we kick into that prayer time. Matthew chapter 26, just before or just right after we get from the Great Commission, it says this. It says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is in the garden and he's praying to the Father. He's spending time with him. He's keeping himself on mission. Father, if there's any other way for this to happen, please, if you would take this cup from me. But since you will not take this cup from me, then I will take on the sins and the suffering of the world. And he asked his three closest friends to say, hey, guys, would you all mind just waiting right here for a moment? Would you pray? I'll be back in an hour. He comes back in an hour and they're asleep. Now, I don't know about you, but I doubt there's anybody in this room who on a consistent basis could spend one hour praying without getting distracted, okay? Is, is that fair enough? All right? But, but can, I just, can I just bear with you for a second? If you're not in the habit of praying for five minutes, an hour is a lot to ask. If you're not in the habit of praying for 10 minutes, 20 is a lot to ask. If you're not in the habit of renewing that relationship, spending that time with God, refocusing on those things. When the emergency happens, guess what? You are not going to be prepared to respond appropriately to that emergency. Peter and the boys, that's exactly what happened. They got to that place when Jesus says, I need you to pray. 
pray that you won't fall into temptation. Look, he even said, listen, pray that you won't fall into temptation. He didn't even say pray for me. He says pray for yourselves. Stay awake long enough to pray for yourselves. And when they came and they grabbed hold of him, you know what Peter's response was when they grabbed him and arrested him? He pulled the knife out and cut the dude's ear off. I want you to catch that for a second. Jesus says, stay here and pray. They fall asleep. The enemy comes, distracts Jesus in prayer, arrests him, takes him, and Peter, all prayed up, right? Pulls a knife out and cuts Malchus's ear off. Jesus' response to him was, didn't I tell you to pray? No, he says, listen, I'm not leading a rebellion here. Put that thing away. There's a time and a place for that. In fact, Pete, you were more prepared to cut that guy's ear off than you were to be on your knees for one hour and pray. That's why I think Jesus said this elsewhere in Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Catch this. Hang on. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. (laughs) I want you to catch this for a second. Pete, I know what you're going to do. I know what's coming your way. In fact, the enemy has requested to mess with you. I'm praying for you, Pete. Are you catching that for a minute? Peter, I'm praying for you because I know what he's going to do. I know what you're going to do, but I'm praying for you anyway because I love you. And what I love about the, the rest of this is what he says to him. When you are done with that and you've turned back, go and strengthen the brothers. Go and take this and talk to the brothers and encourage them and build them back up. We pray and need to pray because our actions need to be empowered. It keeps us focused on the mission, even and especially if we know what the outcome's going to be, how people are going to respond, what they're going to do. I mean, Jesus on the cross, as he's hanging there, didn't say, I'm done with you people, I'm out of here. No, he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. He prayed for them anyway because he had a heart for prayer, a time to spend with the Father, even in his last breaths, as he's hanging on the cross to take on the sins of all humanity, his thoughts were to commune with the Father on our behalf, knowing exactly how we're going to turn out and what we're going to do. See, that's when you know your prayer life is where it's supposed to be because you're on mission saying that I'm here to do what he told me to do, and that's to teach them to obey all that I've commanded and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because when things get hard, when the temptations come, when the tiredness kicks in, when the persecution happens, when friends start leaving you, when your kids aren't doing what you want to do, when all those things, listen, the one constant we can always go back to is the time that we have with God and make it count. Jesus understood that those temptations were going to be common to him as well. And that he had the full ability to give in to those temptations. But he stayed empowered in his actions by drawing that power through prayer with the Father, by spending time with him. And I think the disciples at some point got to that to where they understood exactly what he'd been saying and why he would spend so much time in prayer. Because the last point there is that prayer keeps us on mission. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 says, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Every day I'm renewed. Every day I'm awakened by the Lord. Every day 
My relationship is renewed and strengthened. Every day I may even have a new question about him that I'm going to be encouraged through prayer with him to go and stay on mission. And when I find myself drifting off mission, all I can do is ask, hey, Lord, I think I'm kind of out of bounds here. I think I'm moving a little far. And the reason why I would know to ask that is because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing because this is not what he said to do. And so I just need a little help getting back here. I need to consult the one who gives me good direction, sends me to the place where I'm supposed to go and do the things that I'm supposed to do. And Isaiah said that the Lord gave me the tongue. He gave me the words to say. He gave me the encouragement. He gave me the, the, the admonishment. Every day I get from him what I need so that I'm prepared for that day to go out and stay on mission and do what he asked me to do. That's why Jesus, when he was, when he was praying and the guys came and interrupted him, he said, let's go to the next town and preach. After all, that's what I came here to do. And they're like, you mean you didn't come here, here to heal people? He goes, no, that's not what I came here. That's not what today's mission is. Today's mission is we go to the next town and we share the good news with them. That's what I came here to do. And the reason why I know that and I can say that with such confidence because I just got through spending some time with the Father. And he says, hey, today, Jesus, here's your marching orders. Here's how you're staying on mission. I need you to go to the next town and tell them about me and you. Well, you know, God, there's some sick people here. I really ought to just stick around here. Listen, there are sick people here, Jesus. You're absolutely right. But I need you to go to the next town because there are people there whose destiny, whose eternal salvation is in the room. They need that farther than that, that person over there needs to be healed of leprosy. They need salvation. And they're going to hear it when you go and do, stay on mission with me. When we seek God's direction and encouragement and power, we are fully equipped to stay on mission. And we do that by submitting our time, one of the most precious things that we have, to him by spending that time every morning awakening and hearing what's happening. And so one of the best reasons for us to make sure that our prayer life is where it's supposed to be, doing what we're supposed to be doing, uh, spending that time with the Father, because simply Jesus did that. He, he made a point to do that. I think the disciples over time, in about a three-year window there, I think they stopped wondering why he was doing that. And they got to the, okay, we know why now. We know that, that your source of power, your source of strength, your understanding to stay focused on what you're supposed to be doing, the, the reason why you go to these places that are hostile to you, the, the purpose that you do some of these things so that I showed you this, so that I could tell you this, the, the, we understand is because you spent time with the Father, you're staying on mission, you're focused on the right things. And, and you, you don't have time, by the way, for all those other things to, to creep in and have, give them equal value in your mind. And so we understand that. And so this morning, that's, that's my, my, my invitation to you this morning is this, that you would respond with this simple question, what could happen if I gave God just five more minutes of my day? What could go wrong? What could happen if I sat down with him and I said, you're the holy one, Lord. You're the righteous king. And he said, here's my sins from yesterday. Here's the sins I've already created this morning, right? And I'm sorry about those. And, 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 and listen, they, they're, they're keeping me off track of what I need to do. Lord, I'm thankful to you that you've done all this for me and that you have a plan for me and that, that, that I don't have to worry about today because you've got it taken care of. And now I, I need to spend some time telling you about my friend over here or about this country or this cause or this thing. And I'm going to pray on their behalf because, man, they're, they're snowed in right now. They're, they're overwhelmed right now. 
That, that's why when, when we get to, to Luke 11 and we see the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, it, it, the, the first verse of this is really, really interesting to me. Because it says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Catch this. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. You see, at the beginning of his ministry, they had to go find him. Couldn't believe he was wasting his time out there when there was work to be done over here. There were people who were sick that needed to be healed. And now he's getting towards the end of his ministry. His disciples, they're actually still knuckleheads, but they're catching on a little bit. And they said, when he had finished praying, when we had respected his time with the Father, we understood why he had been praying the way he prayed. And they said, man, how do we do that? How do we do that? And he says, here's the Lord's Prayer. And he laid it out there for them. Do you see the shift? Many a time, I know some of you have probably said at the beginning of the year, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to spend more time with God. I'm going to get in this, this program or this app or do whatever. And then February 5th rolls around and you're right back where you were December 1st. And, and it's not uncommon to look back and go, man, I just can't do this. Uh, hang on, I'm going to give you a piece of wisdom. Uh, if there were seat belts right now, I'd tell you to put them on your back. in the game okay you failed yesterday all right you got distracted okay i'm not condoning your sin i'm not condoning it i'm just saying it happens you can't undo it get back in the game so what if you have breath and you have life and you failed yesterday every morning I, he awakens me and he gives me the word that i need to encourage others and encourage me get back in the game Understand the whys of prayer and the importance of staying on mission. Even to say, God, I, I, I'm not on mission today. I'm not doing what you want me to do. I'm not telling people about you. I'm not living the way I need to. I need to fix that, and I know it. But I need you to intervene. Will you just speak to me this morning just for a couple of minutes and just talk to me? Likewise, when we say things like, I'll pray for you, you know what I would assume, uh, what I, I would appreciate? Listen, you're not going to pray for somebody. Don't tell me that. You're lying to me. Maybe just a bolder step. Let's pray right now. This is what's going on in your world. Let's pray right now. How are you praying about that so I can be praying with you and for you? And listen, if somebody's not praying, don't give them a hard time about that. Let's figure out how to do that. But what would happen? What could happen if you just gave God five minutes more of that time? Can you speak with that? Father, we are grateful that even in your distractions, you stay focused on the mission. And because you stay focused on the mission, you carried it through all the way to the cross for us. And you did so, Father, knowing that we needed an example. But, Father, we didn't just need to know the what and how, but we need to understand the why. Why we need to quiet our minds. Why we need to listen to the things that are going on. We need to focus on our relationship with you and as that relationship strengthens all these other things even the things that we pray about can get put in their right priority maybe even understanding that some of them are a little bit bigger that there are deeper things behind some of our hurt some of our fear some of our sadness and so god this morning i ask that we would spend five minutes more with you every day that we'd make that a priority 
that we would listen to you, that we would pray your scriptures, that we would just petition that, Father, maybe we would just spend five minutes adoring you. That, that we would search every adjective that we have that describes your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And we wouldn't just put those out there for your, your, your ego, Lord. We put those out there so that we really begin to understand as much as we can how big holy and how awesome and how loving and how righteous and how good you are so that father when we do get bogged down when we do get tied down when 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 the realities of of life in a fallen world catch up to us that we don't get sifted like wheat privilege that we have in prayer comes from a promise that you'll answer. We may not get the answer we want, but we get what we need. And we respect that answer because it came from you and we know you and we will trust every day because of that relationship. So this morning as we prepare for the remembrance of your death, we remember that you prayed regularly over and over and over again Father, one of the prayers that you prayed for us was that prayer that we would be one just as Jesus and you are. Father, as we open up your word this morning, we look at the Lord's Supper, as we think about the time we spend with you, let us not grow weary in doing good, Lord, but also strengthen us by the time we have, refreshed anew with that right relationship with you. Ask this in Christ's name. This morning we're going to observe the Lord's Supper, and in our church we do this once a month.